0: I'm not afraid to
1: Hello there and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and this evening I am joined by my close associate, Mr. Sean McGuigan. Hello there. We are the Pat Patterson and Gerard Briscoe of the Terrace and we're going to take you on a tour through the lower leagues. We have picked one game from the Championship, one game from League 1 and one game from League 2 and we will be running the rule over all three of them. Normally we do two of each. But it's been uh, a difficult week, both personally and professionally. Uh, for me, just uh, just fine for Sean. And I just didn't have the chance to uh, prepare three matches. So just, we've just done, done one of each. And even then, my notes are scant at best. So if there are mistakes that make it into this podcast, don't blame me. Blame my employer and my inc- ever-increasing workload. On, like on, the plus s- side, on the plus side, you did make it up a Monroe. So it's not all bad. That's right. Yeah, I climbed climbed the Monroe last uh, last Sunday. That was a, a, a genuinely exhilarating experience. Which I, one was it? It was Ben Lomond, which the, the, they say it's the easiest. That's your gateway Monroe. And honestly, I was thinking, if that's the easiest Monroe, fucking hell, the rest of them must be absolutely solid. It's like it's, it's like broken into three different parts. So there's the first third which is, is very steep, but it's all path. There's all pathways that, that are just like basically big rocks that someone, some daft mark has has left out. <laughs> so you climb up them and that's, that's difficult because we are there with my mate and you're walking in single file and you're not really having much of a conversation. But then you get to the next third and that is very gentle slope. And that's great because you can walk next to each other, you can stop, have some jelly babies as, as I did, maybe a, a swig of water. And then it gets very difficult again. You go up past the clouds, and it was very, very windy and very, very snowy. The side of my face was getting battered, and uh, I had to follow my feet as I was going round. However, can you reach the top? Um, that was that was fine. And we met. A, I don't want to go into the couple. That's a story for another thing. The couple we met in the car park and then met at the at the top. That was just a horrendous bad luck coming uh, face to face with pure. Just some irritating. You ever met someone that you can just tell within, like, like a, like five seconds of talking to them? Just like this guy's no for me. <laughs> right, aye, I, I, and then then you think Christ, then you go leaving for like two hours, then meet them at the top of a mountain at the exact same time. Oh, so you made it to the top then? <laughs> um. However, I would say, I can't really say if I enjoyed the experience. I'm not sure it enjoy is the right word. However, like thinking about in the car drive back and the, the, the Sunday into the evening when I got home, was like, that was brilliant. I can't wait to do the next one. How, how many is there? How many Monroes are there? 282 in Scotland. So one, down, one down, 281 to go. That's right. That's right. I don't think this is the weather for it, but once it, it lifts and it's a bit sunnier, then it'll be the, the perfect time to... To, to take up, but we're not here to talk about uh, Monroes, We are here to talk about Scottish football, and we will start in the Scottish Championship with uh, perhaps one of the most eye-catching fixtures of the weekend: is Air United to Dundee nil? Uh, a very uh, straightforward victory for Mark Kerr's men. Uh, two goals early on in the first half: one from Cammy Smith, one from Michael Moffat. Uh, gave them three points against a very, very lacklustre Dundee side. After the match, uh, Paul McGowan, the, the Dundee midfielder, who has um, a dreadful haircut, uh, said that he went on a rant, blasted the team for, for being a bunch of fucking mutes, uh, that, that they're all um, need to earn the right to play, and so on. He's done it before. He'll no doubt do it again. It was This was the, the sweariest game
0: of the weekend because it had... I had McGowan's outburst in uh, the kind of post-match press conference. I believe James McPake had a fallout with uh, the United assistant manager. Matt he shouting. He just kept shouting and swearing at him. There nice. was, uh, I believe, it was McPake that was shouting and swearing when Air United went went two goals up, and then there was a situation when it was two 0 and the Air United goalkeeper uh, Cine Sallo made a they made a brilliant save uh, The the the, the Pretty much sealed the fact that Dundee weren't going to uh, get a, a foothold back in the game at all. And then you just heard somebody <laughs> from the Dundee bench go, for fuck's sake. That was it. <laughs> that was it. The white flag was being raised at, at, at that point. There was just a lot of swearing involved. As you say it was, I don't know if it was entirely straightforward, ah, just look, because...
1: I'd, I'd say it was comfortable. I mean, they scored the two early goals and then just effectively they sat deep and allowed Dun, Dundee to come at them and Dundee really didn't have the wherewithal to... I mean, there were a couple of close calls, like a couple of shots that were cleared off the line. Um, Sinisalo, uh, Pamp didn't look too clever for, for a couple of corners, sort of like dropped them, miss at them. But however, beyond that, it was very much at arm's length. Yeah, I uh, very, very much so. I mean... Uh, Sinisawa is a, a strange
0: one in that I've now seen him make maybe four or five excellent saves. Like You know how there's this, you know how there's this thing with goalkeepers, and oh, a really good shot stopper. And then you go in to describe the other things that he's good at. I don't know if he's that good at the other aspects of the game. <laughs> the, other, the, the, the very basics of stopping a shot, he's he oh, exceptional. At, but there was, there was a couple where he, he came for a cross and he, I think he attempted to, to punch it, but he just kind of slapped it back in the middle of the penalty area and then there was a Stramash. And then there was one where it, it, it would probably go down as a good save, but he seemed to come for the ball, realise he wasn't getting it, and then kind of fling himself into a star shape. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure who got, who got their head on it in the back post. And it kind of just struck his arm that, that, he'd, that, he'd, that he'd made himself into, into that star shape. He well, kind of got away with that one as well. But well, in general terms, yeah, United, yeah, United deserve the win. But, but this is what this is what Dundee do. Dundee start games, and they have done since then uh, the beginning of last season, they start games extremely poorly, uh, and they either they either kind of cling on to half time and then improve in the second half and and might get the three points, or they find themselves a goal down or two down and and they're chasing the game and sometimes they manage to come back, but as as was the case uh, okay. this week, they they gave themselves far too much to do and, and it happens all too often.
1: You know, I think watching I've watched a lot of match highlights over the past weekend. Since since the the season restarted, and I'm I'm struggling off the top of my head to think of defending worse than Dundee's for Cammy Smith's goal, truly abject. And, and it's like that's that's even defending like that. That when you see like guys that play walking football would <laughs> be embarrassed.
0: But the, the thing is, their their defense wasn't even playing
1: walking football; it was standing still. But that's the thing; the, it, was, it was it was. It, it was So, so Cammie Smith get his ball into the box. I think it's, it might have been, was it Luke McCowan that, that, that gets Luke, it? Luke McCowan initially made his way into the box, and that was pure defending because
0: there was, I think he made his way through two challenges that, that was kind of half-hearted, and, and yes. Jordan Marshall fell on his arse. Then it went to Cammie Smith. But he was he was actually in a, a kind of semi, a, almost like a, a crescent shape of Dundee players. He was surrounded by six Dundee players, and none of them done anything. Not, not a single thing to to stop him.
1: And you know, it was almost it like a lack that, of accountability. I, it was almost like you know he was kind. Of, I think he was like feigning like to like. What am I going to do with the ball now? And he said, you know what, might as well just hit it slightly. And it just the, the ball just it, it's not it's not tremendously well struck. It's not tremendously well placed. It just very neatly goes into the the goals. And legs Legston's, is that the guy's name? The,
0: the, the, I think the, it's Adam Legston. A, a goalkeeper who has has not played in 3 years.
1: <laughs> His name is Legs with a Z in it. I don't know why I'm finding that that really funny. Uh, Legsdens. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't uh, he does, doesn't really move for it. I just thought it was it was absolutely criminal and when you see that, when you see that kind of performance or certainly even if you just look at that in a snapshot, 3 minutes into the match, an important match against a team who now I suppose with Dundee you're competing with to get into the top 4. 3 minutes into that game and that's the sort of error that five or six players collectively make. Shocking. Absolutely, and then, absolutely shocking. And then
0: it, it, it didn't get any better because we're two down. Is it 12 minutes? 16 <laughs> minutes. 16 minutes. Uh, and <laughs> a, a, a player who has now uh, done such a fantastic achievement at United with 100 goals that I might even pronounce his, his name properly. It is, of course, Michael Moffat.
1: Yes. What was the thing you were saying, Sean? We were filming uh, a view from the terrace yesterday and you said, Mrs. Moffat sat in her toffet. <laughs> so, so that by, by you saying that, that is that is the reason why, why it's pronounced Moffat. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the goal first and then, and then go on and talk about Michael Moffat. It was very, again, a very simple goal. The, the ball is a long ball from from Jordan Houston. Michael Moffat, who was playing as a striker in in airs 4-2-3-1 system, Comes deep to get the ball. Very good. He's very good at doing that. I think we'll come on and talk about how, how he's changed his game. But as, in terms of lone striker, very good at coming deep, popping the ball off. And he drops it off to, I think it was Michael Miller. And then the ball gets played out wide to, I think it's um, Joe Chalmers. ball gets played out to Joe Chalmers. But Michael Moffat's popped off and then ran into the box. Chalmers hits a cross that is deflected. And I think the deflection very much goes in Moffat's favour because it takes all the sting out of it, and it gives him the easy chance to control it and finish. However, the defending to actually go and block him and, and stop him from taking advantage of the space and getting the shot again, very, very poor from Dundee, and that's the game. The game's over after 60 minutes.
0: Ah, I mean, I mean, how 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 good a player is is, is Moffat, and how has he? got... I was actually thinking about this today. So when he went, when he left Air United first time around, I regarded them as. A goal scorer, first and foremost. Then he went to Dunfermline. Now that first season at Dunfermline, which was League One, and you'll remember better than me, so he only scored six that season. So did his goal tally drop off because he became more of a link man or did his goals drop off and then he thought to himself, I, I need to be doing more with my game. I'm going to become a link man.
1: You know, It's very interesting. I don't know if you watched the, the video that United put up as, as 100 goals and if see, watching like the very, very first goal on that video, it is, uh, I think it's against um, Air at the at the well, where was the the not the Penny Car Stadium? Whoever was sponsored the the Excelsior, the Excelsior ball over the top. He sprints between the two defenders and then just dodges it by the goalkeeper and finishes into an empty net. And that was what when you think of that—that's your like classic Michael Moffat goal. Uh, who could hang on the shoulder of the last defender? Who could really stretch play? You know, like teams would, would teams would want to sit deep against him because was just a lot faster than them. And if United needed to go direct, they had someone who was very comfortable at uh, uh, running the channels. You know, he spent a lot of time at the think it was Gervin Junior to signed him from. Excuse me. So he was like quite a, a hard player, quite a tough player when, when, when he came in. And he scored, he scored dozens of goals for Victoria for United. Um, and then he got the chance to go play full time football with Dunfermline, which, to be fair, I think at his age he would have been about, I think that was 2009. Aye, ah, 29. 2014, he 20, joined. Yeah, 20, 29 at the time. So you'd be like, well, fair enough, because, you know, like, full time football for, for some players it doesn't get it, doesn't come, the chance to play full time football doesn't come around often. So you'd be like, well, why not? Well, what is, why not take it? And I remember seeing me I mean that that Dunfermline say we spoke about them Sean when we did the the worst moments the ten worst moments of the past decade and that. Dunfermline team were abysmal, like a really, really poor side. Finished seventh, a full-time team finishing seventh in a part-time divisions an absolute disgrace. And and there was a real malaise in the club. And Moffat was one of the players that was suckered into that. It was a game they played, I think it was October or November 2014. He played Stennis Muir, and this is Scott Booth Stenhouse Muir. So this is how bad it was. But Stennis Muir won one nil. And a chance it fell to Moffat right at the end of the game to tie it. It was a very good cross was played in from the right, and Moffat was lurking at the back post. And all he really needed to do was just hit it. You know, six yards out, just hit it, and he missed. it. He put it past the post, and that really summed up how how bad how how bad it was going for him. And I think at that point, and as the season went on, he didn't look particularly happy there. I I, I don't think I don't think he they, they they were they knew how to get the best out of him. I suppose that when you're playing against a United who at that point who were, were bobbling between like the first division or league one and league two, you can have, you know, you when you're not so much expected to win games, you can sit in a wee bit, make yourself a bit more compact and then look to hit in the break. And Moffat was perfect to that. However, Dunfermline perhaps a little bit more progressive than that. And then he wouldn't see the ball as much. So yeah, he did have, you know, something that would have to be a case where you can either like go back to say, I've not enjoyed my time at air. Go back to, to what you know, or you'd be like, Well, I'm going to adapt, I'm going to like change my game, and, and Dunfermline are going to get see, see the, the best out of me. And it turned out that that was the case. He did do that, and he was, I mean, his, his goal record at at Dunfermline certainly not impressive as it was at United, but he did the Pars a good, a good turn generally, particularly that I mean, he, season when they went on to uh, the 15 16 season with, under Johnson where they went on to win the division. I
0: mean he he went when when he left there initially his his goal scoring record was pretty roughly one in two. And then when he went to Dunfermline it ended up being about one in four, which is, which is still decent. But he even though his 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 kind of goal tally dropped off, I would say he actually became a better player yeah. because he's time with Dunfermline. And I think his performance levels, even now at thirty-five years old, I think he's still Maybe not one of the maybe not necessarily one of the better strikers in the league, but he's probably the tier below that. And and mm-hmm. I, I, you, you mentioned it uh, you mentioned it yesterday uh, on the show. You can still
1: imagine him playing on for, for a good few years, yeah. Yeah, he's ve- I mean, the way the way he's played, you know, I think that, that's that's a testament to him as well. You know, being fast, you're not going to be fast forever. So if you if your game is is solely built around pace, when you hit your early 30s and that begins to drop off. If you're no longer fast, then you're not longer. You're no longer play a, a decent level, so you do have to adapt. And, and Michael Moffat has, has proven, like over the last like five years, that he has got so much more to his game and, and that ability to to act as a as a not not so much a target man, but to play the lone striker's role in in, in what um, in what Mark Kerr is, is looking to do at United. Like there was three or four times watching the highlights in that game, three or four times he would come deep and just pop the ball off to teammates around them. And I think you can see that the guys that are playing as part of the three behind them, when that ball goes into Moffat, make a run. Make, make, peel off wide because the ball will go. There, there's a goal. Um, I can't remember who it was at scored. It might have been McEwen. Had a, had a goal disallowed at yep. the very end for offside, but that all started from Moffitt dropping deep and just flicking the ball on. Um, and I, to, to me, Moffat will go down. Since I've been watching football, uh, football in South Washington in 2004 Moffat has been one of the best like the last like 15-16 years Moffat has been one of the best lower league strikers that uh, that, that I can remember an absolute a terror how I'd describe him
0: It's actually it's incredible when you look at the two teams that started on Saturday and uh, rightly or wrongly and in the summer people probably thought right well United they're pushing for the playoffs uh, Dundee, probably the playoffs, but also probably looking to be the best of the rest. Yes. And yet on Saturday, A United started with Moffat up front, and Dundee started with Osman So up up front. I mean, I, I find that remarkable that Dundee's playing him uh, up top on on his own. When I mean, I mean it's not even as if I mean. He, I mean, I thought he I thought he was excellent at heart, or Very good at Hearts. Excellent as excellent as a stretch, but very, very good. Then he got his, I think he got a, a big money move to China. Yep. But Dundee, have had more than enough, uh, more than enough evidence since he came back to Scotland that he is nowhere near the player he was. He, he done. He done nothing at Comarnock. He done nothing across the road at, at Tanadice. And the fact that Dundee gave him a, a contract in the summer, I find, I find mind-boggling. And, and his appearances so far, it, it's done nothing to justify the, the, the deal that they gave him. He was, he was really poor again at the weekend, and it was mm. only really when he went off that, that, that they picked up again. Yeah, I think not a
1: surprise. They, uh, you could be at, came on from, but I think that, uh, Sean, that's just part of a wider problem that, that, that Dundee have got. I listened to a bit of the uh, young Gary Cocker doing the Provi Road podcast. It was the first time I listened to it. I like, I like listening to fans talking about their teams when they're shit. I find that, like, I really enjoy that. Like, so see, like a Rangers podcast right now. I have absolutely no interest in listening to Rangers or Dunfermline fans talking about their team because that's boring. You know, nobody wants to hear people being happy. People enjoy Joy Division, you know. People, people enjoy Leonard Cohen. People enjoy listening to Dundee does this, fans. Uh,
0: does this say something about you? Is this very much, I'm not happy, so I want, I want everybody else to be unhappy?
1: I, I think I've I've got a lot of issues, Sean. I think I've the older I get, the, the more I realise what what those issues are. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'd say I'm I'm not not satisfied. I'm, there are uh, certainly big holes in my in my life at the moment that that, that do need to be filled, and they need to be addressed. However, it just Dundee are just a fascinating club. You know, it's like that. You just look at the recruitment, for instance. You, you knew you knew at the start of the season we needed a new goalkeeper. And and then to think you can go and start off with like with Jack Cantlin, makes a, a couple of mistakes in the first games. Then you bring Callum Ferry, who is arguably poorer than him with some of the mistakes he made, particularly against Aloha on the telly. Then you bring in this guy Ligsden, who's not played in three years. I mean I know and
0: I know I read today that they they thought they were signing Connor Hazard from Celtic, but but Celtic put a, Celtic put a stop to it. Right. Well well then go and sign somebody else. There must have been another goalkeeper. There must, there must have been like an option two.
1: Very John Hughes at Wraith Rovers vibes. <laughs> you know, it's like that. It's like, well, we need a goalkeeper. And he's like, if we can't sign him, we're not going to sign anyone at all. He's a goalkeeper. You know, it doesn't, doesn't it work like that. We also needed a defender. It's like Lexington comes in and like a 36-year-old Liam Fontaine comes in. And, you know, Fontaine might be decent enough for them. You know, he's certainly experienced. He's played at a decent level in this country before came on for like the, for the final 20 minutes. But they just look a bit of a... It's just a, a pretty minging team. And we say, like, Charlie Adam didn't have a game, a good game. And I think that it's, it's now, if Charlie Adam's not playing well, then, then Dundee aren't going to play well. I mean, Charlie I think... Adam, a uh, of the two the two, the two Dundee games I've seen, uh, that, um, that both on the, the BBC Scotland channel, against Hearts and against Aloe Athletic, comfortably Dundee's uh, best player. And I know it was, there was a headline, and I think it might be in The Courier... He was like, I, I didn't sign up for this. I know that the sort of the headline was the headline. The, the, the body of the text didn't, didn't really well, that was the headline. But he must be there thinking, fucking hell. Aye, the,
0: the the headline. The headline almost suggested that he was he he was thinking that maybe he would want away in January or, or whatever. But actually, the, the, the story itself was just I'm really disappointed at how it was going. And he was including himself in that <laughs> and and the rest. Of it was all very generic. We had to pull together and all that jazz. But I, I, mean, I, I think as a general rule of thumb, if you if you stop Charlie Adam, you, you nullify Dundee completely. And I think I think Michael Miller done that very well on, yeah, on Saturday. He like he, that was that was his main job essentially. Follow but Charlie, follow Charlie Adam, and don't give him a minute. And it looks like he done it very well. As good player, must be.
1: A, a, I imagine Michael Miller. If you were a manager, you would really like having Michael Miller in your team because he's like very good at following instructions. and we saw at the weekend, can can play in a, a number of positions. Yep. So he'd be like, you know, he's, he's not, by no means, you'll, see, you'll you'll know this better than anyone, Sean, haven't watched him at the Rovers, but by no means a world beater. But, you know, you can't have, you know, you're, you, in, in this country, you're probably going to have one, maybe two superstars in your team. You're going to need grafters. You know, you're going to need like workhorses. You're going to need your boxers from Animal Farm. And and he is very much a boxer from Animal Farm. And and
0: it's quite handy when when teams are running with uh, restricted squads if you've got a player that can play in a number of positions which Michael Miller can right back and, and defensive midfield and that, that's kind of that, that's that's pretty handy as well and he generally pops up with a goal from, from set pieces I think right? he's already scored a couple of goals but the so calling. I most, most Raith Rovers fans were disappointed when he left and he's, he's very much doing a job
1: for, for the United this season we, we, we touched on it at the start Sean but what did you think of Paul McGowan's comments after the game?
0: Uh, I... I <laughs> I think they were they were very much heat in the moment, heat in the moment, and whether they would do whether they'll do anything to to, to lift the spirits, <laughs> I, I I doubt it. But but will anybody in the dressing room even even pay heed to them? Because I would imagine that he says things like that every day. Yeah. So Hopefully yes, that's that is, maybe the first time he says it to the courier But I'd imagine he says it in the
1: dressing room full think, time. I think I'm sure like, I've heard that, that people who have who have uh, worked with him or played with him say he's like one of the moreiest players they have ever worked with. Ah,
0: and I, mean, I mean, you can see that. He's just, uh, he's very much a pointer and a, a, a moaner. Is that a good thing? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. If, if, I'm, if I'm playing for a team that is losing most weeks and I've got Paul McGowan telling me I'm a a, a waste of a jersey, I, I don't know if that's going to do much to, to improve my mood. Is it going to make me try harder?
1: I, I doubt it. I that, that, that's a, suppose it's the sort of thing that, that you would say I mean, that's the thing. He said it before. I've got this. This is um, this is a headline, Sean. I dug this out before we got going. This is raging Paul McGowan slams Dundee as fucking weak-minded and X-rated rant. This is from September 2018, um, and this is their this. This was the season. Obviously, they were relegated at the end of this season in the Premiership. Uh, they'd just beat lost three 0 to Hibs. And honestly, it's like you could copy and paste it. <laughs> I'm honestly sick of saying the same things over and over. i will come this and that. We're fucking weak-minded as a team. We're weak-minded. We played good football in the first half. Hibs really threatened us. The goal fucking kills us. We go down. We fucking crumble. Oh, yeah, yada, yada. Who gives a fuck, man? Who? Shut, shut up.
0: That didn't help matters in 2018. And no, that is
1: going to help Mars in 2020. Aye, that, that that that's that's the thing as well, you're right. Who's who's this helping? Will it get the fans on side again? You know, will, will, will the fans appreciate how, how bad things are. Is he playing well enough to excuse me, is he playing well enough to be able to come out and say these
0: things? No, but I think he I think in his I think in the latest one in the courier he he included himself. He said that uh, you know, they're not playing good enough and they need to, to, to kind of butt their ideas up. But he included himself and it as well. He wasn't, a, he, was, he, was kind of, he wasn't distancing himself from so them.
1: I'm going to read a little bit more from 2018. Uh, I've not been good enough and none of the players in there have been good enough. Nobody in that team has done themselves justice this season and I include myself. I'm hammering myself and I'm hammering everybody. Maybe, uh, maybe they just need to get rid of Paul McGowan. Imagine that set. It. They, they just, they just said to him, like, "No, nah, just don't, don't bother pitching up next week." And that's it. Go on a, a 18-game winning streak, put parts to the title, all <laughs> forgotten gold statue. Of James McPate kept uh, outside Dens Park. They go, uh, they go on a
0: longer run than the Defiant season. <laughs>
1: <laughs> incredible. Uh, I think this is uh, this is. We don't want to give any spoilers away for t- to tomorrow night's episode of View from the Terrace, but. I'm sure that's something that that you said. Whether or not I, I, I'm not sure if that that will uh, be kept in the show. But they they look in and, and that defiant season. They were well, started off the season with minus twenty five points. Never once looked in danger of being relegated. <laughs> and this season, <laughs> the Adam. but they could they could go down. I mean, that's that's the that's the very worst thing, isn't it? That they, the uh, they, 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 there is a real fear. I Mean uh, Partick have been relegated. Falkirk have been relegated over the last two seasons. You don't I think teams uh, to that level? I, th- I think the thing they
0: have on their on their side this season is that the what we've had maybe the last we've had loads of examples of it now is part-time teams very much playing above themselves. Or, or not even necessarily playing above themselves, but part-time teams having good squads or, or decent squads that either uh impress and kind of finish mid-table or do just enough to stay up. Mm-hmm. But I think our broth in Aloha might have uh, a, a more difficult season than part-time teams have, have had to endure recently so the, I think they've probably got that on their side that they've probably got that wee buffer I think you need to be I think Dundee will need to be really bad to, to maybe finish behind somebody like Alloa, for example this term yeah.
1: we'll, come, we'll come on and talk about the the, the, the other fixtures in the championship but United and, and Dundee they've both got games coming up in the the, the League Cup um, United are taking on Livingston Dundee are taking on Hibernian again they just played each other uh, two two weeks ago. Then after that, uh, I would say that Air United's fixtures: they're away at Aloha and then at home to Wraith, then away at Arbroath before meeting Hearts on Boxing Day. That other, that that's quite a presentable series
0: of fixtures. Ah, you would imagine they'd be looking to take. Well, you know, something you'd imagine they'd be looking to take nine <coughs> points for that before they go into the Hearts game. And and bear in mind how Wraith played at the weekend, where they. Well, they struggled to find a way that their worst performance of the season. Then, then I I wouldn't say it, it was beyond the realms of possibility that they take uh, nine points for nine before before going at that Boxing Day fixture.
1: Dundee's meanwhile is a bit more tricky because they've got they've got home to our broth. You would imagine you imagine they could uh, get overcome that, but then they've got their away at Cali Thistle and then home to Dunfermline. So, uh, t- so, so one
0: point from that three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but how do, how? No. How, how, how much longer can James McPay go on though? Because, yes, the Dundee board is is, is quite clearly patient mm-hmm. to a degree, but, but this can't continue. So, so something has to change. Either, either Dundee's results change or the manager changes. It has, it has to be one or the other. And it, it doesn't sound like from those three fixtures that they have the most winnable set of games coming up.
1: No, especially with a, 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 a way at Hibernian to kick things off isn't fantastic. You'd imagine if a change was to be made... It would have been made now. They could have like emptied them, you know, got the Hibs game out of the way, and then looked forward to playing our growth at the at the start of December. But you'd imagine it's just there's only a matter of time. You can't be bad forever. But we said that about we said that about Falkirk in the past. We said that about Partick Thistle last and, season. And also, and so it's interestingly uh, that's
0: two clubs that that did change the manager reasonably early in the season as well. Mm-hmm. And it's still
1: well, eventually it didn't, didn't matter. I dropped. This is, this is true. This, this is true, Sean. This is true. So, right, difficult times for, for, uh, for, for James Pete. We'll take a look at some of the, the, the results. Uh, around there was a game um, game Tuesday night, Hartham Midlothian 3, Aloha nil. Aloha also lost uh, to Queen of the South. They were beaten 2-0 by them. A Very a mediocre start for uh, Peter Grant's team.
0: Uh, I mean, I, I, think, uh, I think Peter Grant gets a, a wee bit of a, not necessarily a free pass, but there seems to be... Do you know something? Aloha fans generally stick up for the manager. Because being in mind, Aloha are normally at the bottom end of the, the championship. Mm-hmm. So they lose a lot of games. Uh, but they normally... They don't normally give their, their manager a hard time. Uh, Goodwin... It was considered that Goodwin done a good job, and fair enough, he, he kept them up. But even when they were bottom of the league for a while, or in the relegation zone in the bottom two places, they didn't normally turn on, on Goodwin. Peter Grant, I, I haven't seen too many grumbles about Peter Grant, and I think there is a, I think there is a a, a line of, of thought that he plays football in the right way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you, but do you whether play, but whether that is playing it in the right way because it isn't getting them results. Do
1: you think that is something to do? I mean, most people who will who will watch, if you if you're only just you only get your football from, from the championship from what BBC Scotland are being shown, they what they looked good in spells against Dundee. Do you think people will be what I've watched? and say, well, Aloha are a pretty good side off the back of that. I think people that don't follow
0: Aloha, I think people that aren't the Aloha fans would say, "Oh, Aloha play good football." But even from within the club, fans seem to generally uh, believe in them. Certainly, even certainly at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. If it gets to, if it gets to January, and and they've still. They've they still don't have a window under the burps and it might be a different story. But they, they seem to be believing in what he's doing because they do play a decent style of football. They they were probably they were probably a wee bit unlucky, I suppose, at, at the weekend. in that the so I think Gregor Buchanan's goal was Buchanan. a header. He, he looked like he had like he had two oh, hands on Andy Graham's back. So that might have been a foul for, for for the first goal. The second goal, as much as it was a an excellent free kick, it, it looked like it was a the award was a soft free kick. Mm-hmm. So, suppose in terms of how the goals came about, you, you could say it, it was hard lines, but ultimately, they were still second best against a Queen of South team that have looked poor this mm-hmm. season. Yeah. So yeah. If, if you think about who are Aloua, who, who are in Alois sights for staying up this season? You would yeah. say Queen of South, uh, maybe Morton, although they started the season not bad, are both the other ones. Mm-hmm. And they, as I said, they looked second best against Queen of South. So, they already look like one of the teams that might get detached if that was to happen.
1: Yeah, sorry for correcting there, Sean. I thought you were going to talk about Liam Buchanan and then you said Gregor Buchanan. And I thought, oh, you've got that one wrong and said Gregor buchanan go Fuck! <laughs> but, uh, I apologise, I apologise for that. And Hearts beating 3-0, there's not much to say about that. Is there Hearts Hearts beating Alor 3-0? Like who, that's always going to be expected, no surprises there.
0: Uh, I, I never watched the highlights, but for, for what I listened to, it was as straightforward as it gets.
1: Yeah. Other as games. you would expect. Uh, broth nil. Greenup Morton, nil. Probably a, a decent enough point for both teams in the circumstances. And the other game, Cali Thistle, two. John McGlynn's Wraith Rovers, nil. Aye,
0: uh, that was... It, it was a strange game because at half time, I, I, I spoke to, to Andy Harrow and, and his brother, Kenny Harrow, and I was like, what well, did you make of that half? Because Rovers had probably had more of the ball but Inverness had scored and had hit the bar twice. And it was like, well, the game kind of feels even. However, we could also be 3-0 down. And, and that, that's almost how it felt by full-time as well, in terms of Rovers had plenty of the ball. They never looked like hurting Inverness with it. But every time Inverness attacked, or not every time, but when they did put an attack together, Rovers were, were struggling to, to toil with uh, or trying to deal with it, sorry. The, the players that have made Rovers tick the season so... Daniel Armstrong was quiet. Reagan Henry w- was particularly poor. Ethan Ross was kept quiet. Dylan Tate was kept quiet. And it, it, there was Rovers fans that said, Oh well, you know, they all had enough they all had enough day. But actually I, I think in terms of how Inverness how Inverness played, they, they kinda of nullified those players. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because I don't know if if John Robertson kind of figured Wraith Rovers out in that League Cup game at Starts Park. Right, okay. Because the Rovers were the better team for the first half, and then Inverness nice, Inver- nice came out in the second half, and, and they were the better team. The Rovers were probably lucky to get a 3-0 draw that mm-hmm. night, and on Saturday, Inverness nice just, just knew how to play them, and it was 2-0, and as much as Rovers had more of the ball, Inverness nice probably could have won 3 or 4. So it was a wee bit of a reality check, I think, I think yeah, for the Rovers. That, that's it was a- isolated and they, they just never looked like hurting them.
1: I, that's what I was going to say. I think that, that it's is always always disappointing to, if you're on a good run and it, it suddenly comes to an end and you, you can't really lay a glove on your opposition, but you don't want to be too downhearted after that. Wraith Rovers have made a fantastic start to the season. And I think that, I'm, I'm sure Sean, when we did a preview podcast, you'd have been happy enough for the consolidation this season. Ah,
0: ah very much so. And the, the other thing about it, as much as Inverness haven't started the season that well. They had they had a lot of injuries right at the start of the season and, and those players were, were coming back so so Shane Sutherland was back James Keatings was back uh Kai Kennedy look, looks looks really impressive every, every time he got on the ball I, I kind of had a sharp intake of breath because he, he just looked dangerous every time he had it so I mm-hmm. as much as Ms have started slowly I would imagine again they'll be they'll be there or thereabouts and, and pushing for the for the top four of the
1: season. Let's take a look at Scottish League One. Where the the game we're going to focus here is uh, Partick Thistle 2, East Fife 0 where uh, Brian Graham double one penalty one a superbly taken goal uh, sunk the Fifers, and are, are we seeing a bit of a resurgence from Partick Thistle here, Sean? Uh, maybe, <laughs> but I also think that East Fife have just been really, really poor. Okay, we'll start. We'll start by talking about them first. East Fife, of course, would have been uh, they'd. Uh, Decent enough season last last season. It certainly started well before tailing off at the end. Um same thing happened the year before. Started poorly, went well, tailed off a wee bit at the end. This season, I think, with the squad of players that, that they've they had that they've got, certainly I would expect them to, to do not being a wee bit better than, than just the four points.
0: Yes, however, what? When you look at East Fife, the and, and the thing is they there was a big deal made uh, from East Fife fans and, and and I thought it was a good move at the time and that they signed up almost everybody from from the, the, the team had done reasonably well last season, signed everybody up again quite early in the summer. And you thought, right, that is a really good basis. If they can add one or two players to that, uh, they'll they'll make a really good start for the playoffs again. Danny Swanson come in, you thought, right, that's that might be a good sign in if he can retain his fitness. But then you go, through, you go through the ages of this year's 5 team. So Chris Higgins is 35 now. Scott Agnew is 33. Kevin Smith is 33. Uh, Swanson came off the bench on Saturday because, surprisingly, he's had fitness issues. But he's 33. Uh, Ross, I appreciate he's not old, but Ross, Ross Dunlop's 31. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there might be other players in there that, that, that are the wrong side, wrong side of 30. And it might actually just be that they now either have got experience but they maybe need some kind of legs in there as well, and and they, they don't really have it, and that's what they look like. They they, they really lacked on on Saturday night. I think I, I thought that the the biggest example of that was the second goal. Yeah, I was just about, I
1: just about to say that. Aye, just about to say Finish was absolutely exceptional. However, Ross Dunlop looked fucking very
0: slow in the turn. Unbelievable. I mean, they, I mean, it it, it started from a, a goal kick from Jordan Hart. Uh, I, I don't know who who won the, the, the not so the header came forward. Now at this point, Ross Dunlop had a, maybe a two-yard head start on Brian Graham. Yeah, but within fifteen yards, Brian Graham was seven yards ahead of him. I mean, I mean, he's so so slow, and, and Chris Higgins, uh, God loves a tryer, but at thirty-five, Chris Higgins wasn't was getting across to, to cover for him. And I, I, I mean, at, at that point, I thought, whoa, it, this is a really really slow team that has. Look, they have issues at the back, and I think. I think these five fans were realistic enough to know that they had a difficult start to the season and that they had uh, Cove Rangers. So in the first five games, Cove Rangers away, Falkirk away yeah. and Partick Thistle away. They also had Montrose in there at home as well. and A really, really difficult start to the season. But it's the nature of how they've lost the games. Albeit they're two players sent off against Cove. Okay, fair enough. Falkirk, they... So easy I mean, for Falkirk,
1: Falkirk, wasn't it? It was so straightforward for Falkirk that day.
0: And, and it was it was very similar again on, on 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 Saturday. They they maybe could have had a penalty in the first couple of minutes. And it, it looked like the foul was inside the box but it got given just outside the box. But I, after that point, for the for the next eighty eight minutes,
1: Patrick had it was kinda a of, I, I canter really that they won that game. Oh, do you think that, that there's a bit too much experience well, not too much experience but there isn't enough legs then in this team and you're looking you're looking across the park like guys like i in midfield, you think there's perhaps a wee bit too much expected from from Scott Agnew you know Scott Agnew's a, a terrific player but he's a, he's a year older perhaps not as influential not as good at covering the ground as he once was although that's why you probably play ross Davidson in alongside him, someone who can just charge around and and, and break up play and, and and give the ball to him do you think I mean, there's I, some, I suppose it, there's missing there. I, I suppose it has to come to an end.
0: Eventually, these these players can't go on forever. I, I think in I, I think in Jack Hamilton, the, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the forward that they've got in on loan, and uh, I, I think he's twenty-one. He he looks he looks decent, but you know he's got Kevin Smith playing in behind him. But I there isn't enough. There isn't enough behind that. I, I don't think. And, and whether Danny Swanson, who's who's barely started the season, whether he can inject that, you, you would imagine he could. But again, he's not going to give you 90 minutes of of kind of willing endeavour. He'll, he'll probably give you flashes and he'll give you touches and he might give you something for, for, for dead balls. I, I, I don't know. Uh, he, he may make a difference. I don't think his five will be in, in any bother, I don't no. think. But I, I don't think he'll be troubling the top four this season.
1: No, I think, I think you could be right. I do expect his five to get better. Like that happened, like I mentioned, it happened a couple of seasons ago where they had a, a similar start. I'm sure they picked up two points from their opening five fixtures, and then they went on, they went, I think they won, won their next uh, six games in a row, which was a, a, a tremendous achievement. I do think that they'll probably finish fifth or sixth. You'll have that clutch of teams. You'll think Falkirk will win it. Clutch of teams challenging for the top and then East Fife as outliers in the middle and then four for Peterhead and Clyde at the at the other end. Aye, ah, very much so. Sure. They'll, 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 they'll have just enough to get by and, and no more, I think. In, in terms of Partick Thistle, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Thistle. I looked. You, you talked about East Fife have a difficult run of fixtures. I think you could probably say the same about Partick Thistle. I mean, they've, they've played Falkirk, they have played East Fife, Airdrie, and uh, like Cove Rangers and Clyde. Cl- losing to Clyde was bad. They were they were poor in that game, but decent win over Airdre Onions. Cove Rangers, let's be honest, that was a. I think they were poor in that game, but I think that might have the 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 frustrations around that game were probably exacerbated by Rory McAllister scoring the like 93rd minute. Yeah. Two each against Falkirk, perhaps unlucky to have drawn that. And then a decent win over East Fife. I think, are we seeing them moving in the right direction?
0: Yes, I, I think they'll move in the right direction. But looking at their, so looking at the team that started against East Fife, they look miles away on paper f- from, from that Falkirk team. And as much as I don't think the Falkirk team is great, I think this is a, a Partick Thistle team that is going to be very reliant on on Brian Graham. I, I don't know where I, I, I don't know where Zach Ruddin is in in terms of fitness. Uh, I mean, he he would make a difference. But I, I think if they are going to do anything this season, it will be Brian Graham will be dragging them kicking and screaming. And uh, I, I think Brian Graham will probably end of the season with, with a, a, a large amount of goals based on the certainly his finish for the weekend. But behind that, I mean, they've still got I mean like Joe Cardo still on one side. Okay, I, I like Joe Cardo, but again, he's not getting much younger. James Penrice was on the other. I mean, he's okay midfield. with shoot Bannigan and Russ Doherty. Mohammed Yang was playing centre-half. I mean, he's not even a centre-half. The, 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 the have got a lot of players out with injury. I mean, I think, I think that injury on the bench was on the bench. massive because he is, he is an exceptional attacking midfielder. And as soon as that happened, I thought that's, that's a massive blow to with chances. But they've got a reasonably lengthy injury list. And I mean, on Saturday, they only had four subs. Mm-hmm. And I, they feel a bit light to be, to be challenging Falkirk, as much as they looked decent against a poor East Five team at the weekend.
1: Aye. I think, though, that, that what we'll see from Partick, their run of fixtures is particularly favourable. They've got Falkirk eh, at, in Grangemouth on the 26th of December. But in between that, they're away at Montrose, home to Dumbarton, away at Forfar, then home to Peterhead. Thistle should really be looking to take 12 points from those games. Uh, yes, and,
0: and you know something if have to do, then I, I will be forced to eat humble pie because that probably puts them in a, a favourable position going into that game. And, and, and what I would say is, and I, I've probably overlooked, see the, the recent game between Partick and Falkirk. Partick, were there was, was actually a hard line for Partick. They didn't yeah. win that. They probably just about deserved a, a, a win on the day and, and were
1: unlucky only to take a point. Mm-hmm. No, I'd, 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 I'd agree with you there. will be interesting to see, but I think that you, as a, if you're a Thistle supporter, you wouldn't want to get too much ahead of yourselves because a game's against Clyde, you're probably expected to win that and you were outplayed and outfought and ended up going down to Ali Love's goal. So I, I don't think there'll be any Thistle fans getting too ahead of themselves. But the, the direction, the trajectory the club appeared to be on results-wise uh, this month, certainly. It's all pointing to a fairly profitable December for Ian McCall's men. The other games in the division, Falkirk have continued their excellent form. They beat Dumbarton 3-0 on Tuesday night and followed that. And that was preceded by a 1-0 win over Cove Rangers. Now Falkirk have moved to the top of the table, albeit Cove have a game in hand. What do we make of, just briefly touching Falkirk, what do you you make of them? I... Aye,
0: I mean, the, 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 I haven't seen I haven't seen anything from from a Dumbarton game, but but for what I heard, they they were easy winners, and I think the the game on Saturday from, from a Cove perspective, they well, I'm saying from a Cove perspective, not from the perspective of the person who wrote the match report. Fucking for, for hell, website. Fucking hell.
1: Honestly, he, it's he the, is
0: as uh, myopic uh, a a reporter that you will ever find
1: truly extraordinary as like, we've spoken about them before when they, when they got horsed 6-1 by Annan last season That was a uh, oh plucky Cove Rangers succumbed to injuries as they went down against Annan. where it was like I mean, I'm sure the opening paragraph in the match report from Falkirk was like mm, Cove Rangers were unlucky not to have taken a share of the spoils from the weekend's match it's like I watched back the, watched back the highlights and, and I, I think I mean, we can make fun of the, the Falkirk commentators and that, but in terms, a, in terms of like if you take that away the the product that Falkirk offer is is very, very good. You know, it's always uh, HD quality, it always goes up in time. And also you get a decent feel for the games. The feel I got for those games was that Falkirk thoroughly deserved the three points from that match. It it looked like Cove might have been on the
0: front foot and maybe were the better team for maybe the first 20 minutes or so, but still didn't really look like troubling Falkirk uh, or or looked like scoring a goal. And then after that, Falkirk just grabbed the game with the scruff of the neck and, and probably should have won by... By more than than the one goal, and I I would be I'd be surprised if if Fokker kind of knocked off that, that top spot from from here. And they, they, look, they look they probably are head and shoulders. I I thought I thought Cove might have gave them might have given them a better game uh, at, at the weekend. I, I thought that Cove might have taken something from the game because they've, they've dominated opponents mm-hmm. uh, so far this season. But, but aye, they the
1: looked like it was a bit of a chasm between the two teams on Saturday. Yeah, I, I bought uh, the, the Dumbarton stream for Tuesday night's match between Dumbarton and Falkirk. And I'll be honest and say, I can't say I was, was paying that much attention to it. I was having to do some work at the time. So I would say, oh, it's been a goal for Falkirk. And, and then look up and say, oh, we don't get any replays. So <laughs> I, uh, I can't say that I've uh, that I've seen the goals. But it looked... It looked a level-ish game, for, like, similar to what you said about the covering. It looked fairly level-ish, uh, but then Falkert really took took control, and I think there were excellent goals from Blair Alston and uh, Callum Morrison. Uh, like Morrison's just, any time he gets, so what, the times I did pay attention to the match, any time Morrison gets the ball, you're just like, like something's going to happen here. He was moving his lateral movement like moving from wing to wing and just really not giving Dumbarton um, much peace. And I think that he, signing him up, get, getting him a, a, a contract extension was a superb piece of business from, from Falkirk because he really looks as though that the way he's played just now, you could imagine someone coming in in January and, and, and paying money for him. There, uh,
0: there, there must have been players in that heart squad that were inferior to Callum Morrison that, that are possibly even still there to this day. And and yet they and yet they released him. I, I mean, I he he maybe he didn't kick on in a Hearts jersey as as much as they they thought he could. But he he could play at a far higher level than than, than League One. And I don't just mean a half decent Championship team. I mean even a even a, even a bottom six. But well, you know something, Callum Morrison could be doing a job for Hearts this season.
1: Yeah, I I, I think different. you're right. I well, think when you're seeing that they've still got guys like um, like Lewis Moore and Ewan Henderson there, guys who are hard-working grafters as well as you mentioned guys who will take on instruction do what the manager tells them I think that's why um, Moore and Henderson got so much game time under Daniel Stendel, is because they would just do exactly what they, what they were told which would be brilliant for a manager but then you see Moore, maybe Moore, beg your pardon, Morrison, perhaps he went too individualistic that, that didn't quite uh, quite fit in. However, Hartz's loss has is, is, is certainly been Falkirk's gain because, by what I've seen in League One this season, he has been by far and away the, the, the best player. And, and, and long may it continue because you just want to see good players playing well, you know, regardless of Talking regardless. about good players doing well,
0: Thomas Robert, a, a player that you tipped for the top as soon as he arrived at Scotland.
1: You know, something. You put out, you. I said, you know, something. I was having a thing about this, and I've, I've had people getting get in touch to say, like after he's played like two games, they'd be like, like, like you're you you a, a walloper and so on. It's like, I don't mind. See if I see a player shite and they turn out to be really good, I do not object to that because what you want to see in Scottish football, you want to see good players. Right, regardless of who they're playing for. You want to see like Airdrie have good players because it means that you look forward to uh, tuning in for, for Airdrie Highlights. You might consider buying a stream for Airdrie to, to to see Thomas Robert. And if he's good, brilliant. And, and he goes on to have a good career. He goes on and plays in England or, or France or Germany or wherever. And Airdrie's just part of his stepping stone. And that's something the club and the fans can look back on and be like, we got to see Thomas Robert. Thomas Robert lived for a season. That, that was brilliant. That's great. I much prefer that. Like saying somebody's shite and they turn good, rather than saying, Oh, this guy's gonna be excellent, he turns out to be shite, that's more embarrassing. But I think it's my my default position is just to be sceptical. I just think it's gonna be shite. And let's be honest, right? Let's be honest, all the signs pointed to Thomas Robert being shite. like the story when he first joined and it was like, Oh, he rejected like offers in France and England to play. Come on. Come on. Let's let's not kid ourselves. he's, he's Aye, it just it just didn't sound, it just it's all the signs pointed to, to him being shy and I'm glad that he's good. You know so I'm glad that he's playing well and that goal that you mentioned, that goal that he scored against 4 for Athletic, my goodness, it is just such a sublime goal and you see what's great as well. His goal was brilliant. The reaction of all the players that that were involved in it just be like, I cannot believe we have scored a goal as (laughs) as beautiful as this. Just all this, like all the players being in within like three yards, three or four yards each other and all these like pinball. But it's just so... Precise. It was almost like geometry more than football, and then just the finish going in, and everyone piling in for the celebrations. Uh, magnificent, and, and and it's great to see. Truly, the inside. I, I don't. I don't mind uh, getting slagged off, man. It doesn't uh, for for saying somebody it's going to be shite in terms of be good. I'm glad that he's playing well, and I hope it continues.
0: And in your defence, I I did also suspect that he would be a bit of a job of the season, but as you say, that was. As, as, as good a goal as you will see in Scotland this season and there definitely won't be a better goal scored in, in League One. Absolutely brilliant. A great kind of interplay around the edge of the box. Two back heels involved in, in, in the build-up and then he just leathered it in the, in the popcorn. And Airdrie, not only did Airdrie look like a good team, they, they look like a good team to watch as well. Like, yeah. They played really, really good football and he he's integral with that.
1: Definitely, definitely. It's that. You want players, you know, you want to be excited about players. That's what you want. You want... Um, He's a fan. Like I remember, I was, I've not really felt this for years. But I remember, like back in fifty, it'd be fuck me, fifteen years ago when we we were challenging for the third division alongside County and Berwick Rangers. M- uh, Mixu Pathelinen was the manager of County Beef, and he signed up his brothers Miko Pathelinen and Marcus Pathelinen. And Marcus Pathelinen comfortably. I mean, that was a, There were some really right good players in that in that league. Three teams. The three teams were all really really good teams. But, but Marcus Pattelin was the best player in that division, and he was like, "You were nervous. You were playing, coming up against Cowdenbeef and being nervous about them because of Marcus Pattelin." And, and that feeling, you know, it's like you, you wouldn't you wouldn't want him to be injured. You wouldn't want you'd be relieved if he missed out, but you also wanted to see him just to see like how good can we be to stop him from from playing, and not good enough as it turned out because the uh, Beef won the division. But Aye, I think that's that's an interesting feeling that when you're when you're nervous about players and and hopefully uh, Thomas Robert inspires similar sort of fears there. So that was four for one, Argonians three, other game Sean um, Clyde three, Montrose two. Was a, was a brilliant game to, to be fair. Uh,
0: Montrose, I suppose Montrose have kind of disappointed a bit, not necessarily in terms of excitement, but in terms of results. The only thing I would say is that I do think they'll turn it around today. They were the better team on on Saturday. They had they had a load of chances. They Ian Campbell hit the bar from forty yards. When would you ever? When would you ever think that that is even remotely possible? He just gallivanted forward and leathered it for forty yards. It just hit hit the crossbar and then crashed over. And on another day, on another day, Montrose would have would have taken their chances and and they would have saw that game out. And in fact, even even Clyde's winner came from uh, I, I don't know who it was. It was teed up for Montrose right on the edge of the box. Clyde Defender slid in, blocked it and from that breakaway, so from a chance that could and maybe even should have been 3-2 at Montrose, Clyde run right up the park and then Goodwillie first time just bent it round Aaron Lennox to to make it 3-2. So yeah, on another day Montrose could have won. If it hadn't been for for David Goodwillie, they they would have won as well. Uh, I I think I still think Montrose are quite good. I I think if there's an element of doubt about them I I don't necessarily rate Aaron Lennox Mm. and and goals for them. I, I think he's I think he probably has a mistake in him. The second goal as well was a header from Goodwillie. It was a well-placed header, but Lennox was already at at that side and he was a bit flat-footed diving back for it. But uh, regardless, I think Montrose still got loads of goals in them. Their defence on Saturday only had Cammy Ballantyne playing in his natural position. The others were there. Two full-backs playing at centre-half. and I think they had... I can't remember who played on the opposite full-back position, but he doesn't play full-back either. So... Once they get those players back, I still suspect the Montrose will, uh, will, will do very well this season. But uh, a, a disappointment result. And then Clyde, uh, Clyde, Clyde will definitely have enough to, to finish mid-table, but but no no better than that. I mean, the fact that they've got someone like David Goodwillie that can just pop up and, and score a hat-trick and get them out of trouble, nobody yeah. else in the league has that. And I mean, literally nobody else in the team, even Falkirk, don't have that. If there's one thing that lets Falkirk
1: down, it might be their, their forwards. Aye, it's like, interesting you're saying that. I was like, I watched like I say, I was watching the Dumbarton game in in fragments, and it's like Anton Dowds was playing for them, and like I I, I quite like Anton I Like his story, the fact that he came from playing like for Heriot Watt University, He goes into two seasons at East Fife and does really well. But what I've seen from him at, at Falkirk is like it's not certainly not for the lack of trying but it's, it's just it, not it really... Looks like, it looks like it's his finishing
0: ability. So the he, st- he still has attributes, but at Falkirk, you it, if you're a full-time striker uh, playing in a part-time league, then you're probably expected, well, you, well, you are expected to get to double figures, yeah. but he's squandering a lot of chances. And I suppose at East 5, I, th- I think he spent a lot of the time, or certainly a bit of the time, maybe playing it wide. Yeah. So there was less impetus on him, less expectation to get to 12, 15 goals a season. But uh you you do have that expectation. And he still might get there. Uh he still might get there if, if he can get his eye on a bit when it when it comes to finishing, but you're maybe starting to see the, the limitations of somebody like somebody like doubts.
1: Yeah, as well, just just the sticking just kind of just turning to Dumbarton. I mean that's uh, two defeats at Falkirk, no shame in that, but losing one 0 to Peter Head, an early goal from Ben Armour securing the points for the the blue two. But Barton aren't very good. Uh
0: no. No, I I was surprised at their start to the season. They start started the season very well. I, I think they will I think they will regress to the mean. I I, I would suspect that they will probably be closer to the the bottom league. I, I I mean I thought that the three that would, that would be at the bottom would be Peterhead, Dumbarton and, and Forfa. From what I've seen so far, I, I think Forfa might actually be a, a wee bit behind mm-hmm. those two.
1: Yeah, tough, tough run of games coming up for Dumbarton, Partick Thistle, uh, Cove Rangers and Montrose. So if Jim Duffy, the man that can pull them out of trouble, stay tuned to find out. Well, no, don't stay tuned. Come back in a couple of weeks when we talk about them in, in greater detail. Don't don't stay tuned, you'll just be listening to Static. Um, that's us covered League One, Sean. So let us uh, take a little uh, walk in the wild side and go into League Two. And uh, while I'm here, we might as well talk about it. It's uh, stenhouse Muir 1, and an athletic 2 a quite a competitive knockabout at Oakleview. View. Uh, Max Wright scored right before the interval. Before Mister Goals, Mark McGuigan got his first strike of the season. Um, Ten minutes after the restart, then Max Wright pounced at the very end to give uh I wouldn't say undeserved. Um, it's not undeserved, but certainly uh, they, they got the they won. They won. That's what we'll say. That they got the win.
0: I, I suppose, it, well, I suppose from, a, from a timing point of view, it was ideal for, for Annan. The, the time it goes, I mean, it was, it was pretty much the last minute of the first half and then the last minute of the second half, wasn't it? Yeah. They, I mean, Stennis Moore, they've got a, a, an attacking trio that that might be almost as good as anybody else in the Elfston league, with the exception of Queen's Park. I mean, I watched the highlights. Greg Spence is still going to buzz about, but I don't think he's necessarily going to kind of trouble the top goal scorer uh, chart. Mark McGuigan is still okay. He's getting on a bit now, but he's, he's maybe not as fit as he used to be, but he's still a presence. And Botti Biabi looked like, I thought he looked like quite sharp, but the three of them looked like they had
1: a, a decent understanding between them. The, the, the problem that Stennis Muir have got at the moment, I think that the, the, you, you've touched on it. The that they're, they're starting eleven. They're, they're starting 11. If all the players are fit and available, I think their starting 11 is the best in the division outside Queen's Park. I think they've got a good goalkeeper in Paddy Martin. I like what I've seen from him since he's come in from Hibs. The fullbacks, Callum Yates and Jonathan Tiffany, good at going forward, good at defending. Andy Monroe and Craig Little, solid stoppers. Middle of the park, Callum Tapping, far and away, what I've seen the best midfielder in that division. Uh, Ryan Blair, um, looks good, particularly when he's when he's allowed to open up his body and play those big like like long diagonal passes. Jack Hodge, who I think is coming from Dunfermline, Hibernian, big apart, came from Hibernian, uh, in a free transfer. He looks quite good. And up front, uh, Tommy Muir, is the Irons' <laughs> preferred striker, Botti biabi and Greg Spence. However, and this is the this is the problem, um Jonathan Tiffany and Craig Little were uh self-isolating at the the, the weekend. So we don't really have cover in those other positions, so what Irons had to do is like playing FIFA and just sticking all the players with the best ratings into this formation, regardless if they if they work there. So Spence was playing as like an attacking midfielder. They brought Tommy Muir at centre back and brought Mark in up front. Um, the guy um, Cami Graham was playing wide right, um, and it just. Jack, and Hodge, sorry, like Jack Hodge, sorry, Jack Hodge was left to play at fullback. So it just it didn't quite it didn't work. I'd say that it, it didn't work like For
0: Anon's I thought for Annan's winner it looked like a mix up between Monroe and and was
1: it Grigor? that come on! It looked yeah, like a mix up I, between
0: the two of them and, and Wright kind of
1: squeezed them between the between the i I'd, I'd say that yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think both goals were actually errors. I mean, I've got, I've got to credit Max Wright. Big credit to Max Wright for for the calibre of finishing. I mean, he was in the right place at the right time for that second goal. I'm sure, there was a space. Stenny looked as though they were going to counter, and Monroe for God knows what reason, Monroe seemed to leave the penalty box. And that, then the ball seemed to bounce and it allowed uh, Max Wright to, to hook it into the net. I don't think it's a goal that, that really uh, should have happened. But that last one, great finish by Wright. You know, I mean, it kissed the post as it went in. I think it was laser guide. I don't think Martin. I saw somebody, might be been Callum Erskine. Callum Erskine's a reserve goalkeeper. It might have been a family member of his on Pie and Bovril who posted I'm not a family member, but I think Callum Erskine should be starting. <laughs> And when you say something like that, I'm not a family member. I'm going to automatically assume that you are a family member, and you are trying to big up your um, trying to big up your your nephew or, or son or, or, or whoever. I um, don't think Martin could have done much with that. It's just Sten. Sten had the better of the play. It's just some of the the the, the, the finesse let them down. Like Boti Biabi is quite a frustrating player in that he he he, he got the ball a lot. He was re- he was working the ball into some really good positions. Like when Stenny transitioned, Stenny were moving the ball really quickly. Like I say, Callum tapping. Absolutely love the guy. Great in the middle of the park. Good at moving it about quickly, and the ball would would be worked out to Biabi, who was playing left mid. And you like you're up against. Just let me see who 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 that Annan Jobber at, at fullback was. Um, you were up against. Tommy Clark, Lewis Hunter. You're up against, aye, one of the two of them. I, I, I don't care. Like all these anim- We'll come on and talk about Aaron in a wee second as, as, as a team. But all you want to do is like just drop the shoulder and try and hit the byline. But what he kept doing was trying to come back in on his right foot. And all that did, and slow play down, like he tried to beat the man twice. Mm-hmm. All that did was slow play down and allowed Aaron to get back into position. And the moves were breaking down. And you're just thinking, what, he just fucking... Put a bit of just. Use your, you're fast enough. You're strong enough to go past them. Just keep doing it rather than, rather than coming in onto your right foot. And they tried swapping him and and Cammy Graham around, and it, it, it didn't really work. And and Graham said Graham said some decent performance for Stennis Muir, but it's like a lot of these young guys. These 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 Stennis Muir beyond that first eleven, it's all guys like making their. Like I've never played football before, like beyond the academy football. So guys like um, you mentioned, Josh Grigger, Chris McQueen, Paul Brown, Jaden Fairley, uh, Jack Hodge, um, uh, Callum, Callum Yates, all these guys, really, really inexperienced guys. And he's asking a lot of them to, to play hard games, but also play games out of position. You see that with Hodge. Hodge has got a good in the middle of the park, but he doesn't, like compared to Tiffany, Tiffany's just like a a very decent League Two fullback, and when you don't have that, that we lost a lot of that defensive cover. So the times when Aaron hit hitting the counter, like Hodge was was pulled out of position, and that's not his fault. It's just not, nowhere nowhere he's he's comfortable playing. So, but that's that's the squad that that Stennis have, have have gone to. have have chosen to go with this season where it is. It'll be very solid first eleven and inexperienced boys around them who are talented these guys have got talent I like what I've seen from them but I think it's wrong to expect too much from them and that, and you know as that we've got the weekend there that is one of the problems if you take out like your right fullback and your one of your centre backs mm-hmm. the whole team has to be reconfigured and, at, the, at the detriment and will,
0: will that starting 11 be enough to, to get you in a top four place because you know Queen's Park's already
1: got a spot yep. Elgin Stirling Albion Annan. are you
0: going to be able to gate crash
1: that? I do think so. I think that Stenny have got a really hard game at the weekend against Queen's Park, and I think that for the best will in the world, Queen's Park will probably win that, probably about 2 or 3-0. Mr. Raymond McKinnon will have a certain article by a certain jobber from FK5 pinned to the dressing room wall. <laughs> An article that said Queen's Park are, are, are a, a, a ragtag, bottom-of-the-barrel gang of jobbers who couldn't get full-time football elsewhere. Whether or not that's true... And I think that some people might say it is. Whether or not that is true, that uh, that's the sort of thing that's just going like, to annoy, like, you prove that we might be bottom of the barrel. Jaws, we still put fucking four goals past your team, and I think Queens Park could do that. You know, they're good at going forward. They're not conceding goals. Willie Muir bought the clubs the uh, longest period without losing a goal in the league. So. <laughs> But then after that it's games going Breakin at home, which is gonna be huge. Strenrare at home is gonna be huge. You know, they're the they're the sort of games that you you really need to win. Then it's away at Elgin and away at uh at, at, at Albion going into the new year. So I do think they've they've got enough. But like maybe one or two more like good players might be at the benefit, but where they come from, I I I, I don't know. And what about Because Annan have always
0: Annan have always kinda done a fair enough decent job in League 2 without getting promoted are they going to do exactly the same again this season
1: I think so you know I think so it's like I was you're watching we, we talked about this before Sean we were we were looking at this game to, to see right what is it we don't talk about Anna and Athletic a lot on, on, on the terrace or a view from the terrace and it is it's difficult to do because you, you've got uh, you, you described it perfectly. how did you describe talking about Anna? You you described it perfectly before we before we started so Annan very rarely sign names
0: from, from higher leagues that are dropping down. So they normally don't sign players that you're already aware of. They quite often sign players that have been released by Queen of South. Maybe young yeah. guys at Queen of South aren't going to make it. So it's guys you already don't, aren't really that familiar with. I think they quite often bring up players from the kind of north, north of England, mm-hmm. from the, the kind of lower leagues there. The Reds. Workington Reds are Annan so so don't know anything about them. And then I suppose the other thing that, that often helps us is that they've got almost no online presence whatsoever. So there's not a lot of Annan fans that are on Pine Bovril or, or, or online that you can kind of learn things about Annan from. So I, I, I think out of all the Scottish teams, Annan might be the team that I know
1: the least about. Yeah, I'd say the same. I, can't, I look through that. I look through the team and, and 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 the guys like like Max Wright, for instance. Max Max Wright, a player who's played for. A number of teams he played for, uh, like Clyde, Stirling Albion. I'm sure he he actually had a, a quite a decent spell when he was at East Stirlingshire. That's where he first sort of came onto my radar a couple of years ago. Um, and he's he scored a like a, a, a decent number of goals when he his there, He's he played for for Annan in in the past, but he's a. He's, as you showed there worked the ball well into decent areas and, and, and was able to, to take advantage of them. Guys like um, Mark Doherty has, has been done, done the rounds. You know, he's um, I think most people who, who watch lower league football will be familiar with Mark Docherty and, and what he does. Stephen Swinglehurst, people will know him because he has got such a distinctive name. <laughs> Moxon's a decent player. Aiden Smith. Uh, worked hard. He had a, pre- a good spell at Annan. Previously, went to Peterhead. Didn't quite work out for him there. Now he's back at Annan. He was uh, he was all right um, up front. So yeah, in, in that regards, it's, it's difficult to actually. Aye, it is quite difficult to, to form an opinion about Annan unless you're watching them. I thought they were fine. They didn't knock me off my feet. I just thought they were fine in in that match. And I suppose that's the. They beat my team, you know. I've, I've no, no object, no complaints about that. You, they took their about three chances and scored with two of them. So you can't really be all that downhearted about it. Yeah, clinical. That's the that's the way to that's the way to look at it, Sean. But even so, just a, I do feel that was a that was a missed opportunity for the Warriors.
0: What about the rest of uh, League Two Queens Park had as uh, as as? as as big a doddle as, as you as you thought it would be, I tell you what I would say about that game is I don't know if you will see a bigger mismatch this season than uh, Katongo versus Dave McKay. Uh, it was I've, I've never seen anything like it in a long time. It was like it was like an it was like a, a father playing football against his son. The dad's just decided that he's, he's not going to give his child a break at all, just all day. And literally, Queens Park's entire game plan was. Give the ball to Kitongo, he will take the ball past the left back and then cross the ball into the box. And he did it the entire game and every time because they realised after five minutes that Dave McKay was not going to be able to take the ball, he was not going to be able to keep up with Katongo. Queen's park just looked for that ball the entire day and for the entire game that's all that happened. It was an, an astonishing mismatch. Yeah. I, I don't know I don't know if Craig Fowler gave uh, gave him the, the player of the player of the week award in the SPFL team of the week, but he would he would thoroughly have
1: merited it this week. So let's be honest, like uh, Katongo could walk up to Craig Fowler and slap him silly and Fowler would still have a clue who he is. We all know this. We all we all know how Craig how someone like Craig Fowler operates. Um so I I think like 3-0, this is exactly how I expected this match to go, where Queens Park would be they would score plenty of goals. Well, not score plenty of goals. I think we said this is if Queen's Park were going to take off, this was a game that, that was going to happen. And I don't necessarily quite think that happened. I think when you, you talk about taking off, you're looking to take about like five or six goals off them. But I do think, though, this was Queen's Park, by some distance, their most comfortable performance of the season where dominated possession, barely gave the opponents a sniff, scored three goals, goals that, that came all across the, the team, like, like Bob McHugh, I think that, was his, that might be his first goal that he got oh, yeah. for, for the Spiders. Like so, so Bob McHugh getting off the score sheet, Katongo dominating, um, like like Darren Line pulling the things, Will Bainham playing playing well enough for the for the for the first hour uh, and Breakin, like God love him like barely getting a sniff there. That's that's exactly how I expected it to go. So I'm not, uh, I don't really think. Other than what you've touched on there, I don't think there's there's all that much to talk about. The biggest mismatch in the country, at the weekend. I mean, I mean Queens Park. There's
0: maybe only been a couple of games this season where Queens Park looked like they were. They were in any days. I think it was opening day of the season. They might have been. They might have been reasonably fortunate to get a point at that. Still they might have been the better team that day, and then at Stranra. Stranra gave them gave them a decent game down there, and the they were they probably a wee bit relieved to, to come away with a one one that they had to dig deep for that. But aye, certainly on Saturday that was that was the biggest difference in, in terms of them and an opponent. It
1: was it was three it was three going on more. Yeah, definitely. Um, the course it says uh, Edinburgh City Nelson r one, and Edinburgh. Let's start with Edinburgh. Have continued their indifferent start to the season, and um, which is uh, which is a wee bit, um, uh, a wee bit. Uh, sorry, so I got a text message there, that, and I, I read it. It was from from someone who doesn't often text me, and I think when you get those sort of text messages, it's like oh oh, right, it's, it's not something I can deal with uh, later. <laughs> Hi, Edinburgh, um, I don't want to spend too much time talking about Steny, but I thought Steny looked largely comfortable against them. The, the way to play, I don't know if uh, Stevie Farrell followed this template, but the best way to play against them is stop uh, Balatoni and stop Henderson from giving the ball to handling and Laird in the middle of the park. If you do that, you can, you can shut them down and they have to go long to, to Henderson. And that's what Steny did against them uh, to, to great effect. But no, a good, good win from Stranraer, who appear. Certainly, to have put their bad start—well, they're putting it behind them.
0: I mean, that's—I uh, so I think that's four games unbeaten. Harold mm-hmm. Duffy scored in three consecutive games. I—I yeah. I was starting to suspect that Stranraer might be another team that you could have lumped in with Albion Rovers and Brechin and maybe Caled Mith at the bottom of the table. But actually, Stranraer might be pushing for a for a playoff spot. Edinburgh City. I mean, I, I don't know what Edinburgh set his expectations were at the start of the season. I would imagine
1: they, rest they would the rest it would have been.
0: Nah, I mean, I would imagine they probably had their, their sights set on second. Whether James McDonough's job is maybe in a wee bit, a, a wee bit uh, kind of I shook the so, it's, it's, like it's, it's
1: Just it's a, they've two wins out of five. You know, it's, it's it's not brilliant, but I think there's maybe maybe you, you keep forgetting that there's um, that that a quarter of the season's been written off. So I suppose it's a little time to sort itself out. By that mm-hmm. happens, the first round of games have gone, and, and I mean, I was th- I was thinking that it's,
0: like, like there probably has to be enough of the season gone to start to uh, come up with, with kind of narratives. But actually, that's about a fifth of the season. Then. Yeah, so, so it's right, a, there's a bit of
1: a chunk. Aye, aye, that's that. You're, you're absolutely right there. So that's it. So I, so is that, Sean. Are you saying James McDonough should be sacked? <laughs> no, that sounds no, like I, it. That's no, that's, I'm, that's I'm the vibe I'm getting it. off
0: you. I, I I'm not sure if the if they if they don't uh, start to turn the form around then maybe there would be questions asked about his uh, suitability for the role.
1: Elwyn City recorded a decent win away at Stirling Albion. Um, a goal from Stephen Bronski and Aidan Sopel gave them a two-one win against the Beanos. So that's uh, continued uh, their decent form. They're up in second place with nine points. Uh, it, was, it was a
0: decent game. I said the only thing that, that kind of turned me off was that it looked like it was really, really long highlights, but then Stalin Albion always lumped the, the manager's interview in with yeah. them. So it wasn't quite as uh, it wasn't quite as long as I as I anticipated it was going to be. Well, what I would say about Stalin Albion's footage is they have commentators who are biased, but they're very likable. And <laughs> what, I thought, what I thought was quite funny was that the two of them are utterly digital. you could tell they're real uh you fans because you can you can tell the dejection when elgin city uh, when Elgin City scored and the fact that it was right after Stalin Albion equalized as well uh, kind of made it even worse but no uh, they they both look like it was a good game i, I mean Kevin Rutkovic was was interviewed afterwards and, and he thought he was he he said he was disappointed with the result obviously he also said he was disappointed with the performance but based on based on the highlights albeit it was Stalin Albion's highlights so they, they may have been slightly slightly biased. I thought it was a pretty even game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're now, so Elgin's second the Stirling Albion or, or third. Yeah. Again, as is normally the case, certainly with Elgin, you would expect them to be in the playoffs. I mean, I don't know what was expected of Stirling Albion this season. They started this season with a far better squad than they started last season. You would expect Andy Ryan to get them goals again uh, this season. So I, I I think, again, they'll be they'll probably make, the. I think
1: both of them will make the playoffs, actually. It's interesting, I'd, I'd have fancied, Elgin are always, have fancied, I fancy mean, selling and Elgin are always a team, and I just think, ah, I never really, when I think about it, I just never think of Elgin, that probably says more about me than it does about them, but yeah, I, you, you might You might just fancy them um, to, to, to do that, Sean, I, I wouldn't necessarily, again, I wouldn't necessarily uh, d- disagree with you, but that's, I suppose they've got Cowdenbeath and Annan up next, teams, I think, uh, in that division, Queen's Park will win it, Albion Rovers and Breaking City will finish bottom, and I do think that that from like the, the other seven teams, uh, there's it, not much between them. There's there's not a lot between them. So if you can beat Cowden and Annan at home, then you've got a, then you've got away at Albion Rovers. So I imagine Albion should win that, if we'll come on to the Rovers in a second. That would put them in good stead. Uh, and uh, before we finish up, Sean, I think this might be worth talking about. One of the games that was postponed at the weekend was Cowden Beef versus Albion Rovers. This is because Albion Rovers couldn't field a team. They, a number of players were missing because they were self, some some of coronavirus, some were, were self isolating. And this is the, the second weekend where the Rovers have had to do that. They were supposed to play Hamilton Ackies in the League Cup. They couldn't put out a team. Much to um, Hamilton's relief. Much to Hamilton's <laughs> relief. Another embarrassment against <laughs> uh, part time League Two opposition. But um, what's interesting about this is that after the, the match against Hamilton was was postponed, Brian Reid came out and said, I think it might be worth looking at league reconstruction because there's a danger that Roars might finish bottom of the table because they've had a massive pileup of games. They've had to put a young squad, an inexperienced squad, a small squad, because of the, the, the problems of the coronavirus and they need a helping hand. And that was met, and I've got to say perhaps quite rightly so, with derision by onle- people online because... Albinovers did have the opportunity to put in place reconstruction over the summer and go for the 14-10-10-10 allow Kelty Hearts and Broader Rangers to join the SPFL and it was summarily rejected so hard lines I would say to Brian Reid I've, I've, I've got sympathy
0: for someone like Albinovers whose budget at the best of times must be uh, one of if not the smallest in, in Scotland but like everybody's dealing with, with the coronavirus this season and I'd be very surprised if they're the only uh, lower league team that has to uh, postpone games or, or cancel games because players are in isolation or, or players test positive so I suppose to degree how teams may, can they deal with that or, or handle it is based. best I'm, I'm maybe surprised that there hasn't been more of a fixture pilot this season I, I suppose it's Probably because there's not very much testing going on in, in the lower leagues. Uh, but no, you know something, see see whoever finishes bottom of the league 2 this season, they're not going to finish bottom of the league 2 because of coronavirus. They're yeah. going to finish bottom of the league 2 because they're rubbish.
1: Yeah, and, and what we've seen from Albion Rovers so far, although that's it, they got they got beaten by Breakin, and you're like, right, that's it, Albion Rovers go to finish bottom. <laughs> they go to Annan and turn them over, you know, so it's... It's, it's that, trying try, uh, try to put patterns together, it's very difficult to try and uh, find patterns and, and paradigms so far when these happen, but it's a, it's a young squad of players, there's, there's not too much to, to be impressed with. We've spoken about Matty Aitken before, I've, I've, I do like what I've seen from him so far, but it is going to be a long season for Albion Rovers and, and and yeah, whoever finishes bottom, you're coming up against, you'd imagine, uh, a Kelty Hearts, a Bonnie Rig Rose, an East Cole Bride, Good teams, teams. Well, out. Well, bear
0: in, uh, mind, bear in mind what us so a week or two ago when Kelty went to you know Kelty beat breaking reasonably comfortably. I mean, yeah. <laughs> based on that, you'd, you'd think whoever finishes bottom this season almost certainly will get relegated. And unless unless there is a scope to bring in players in January, and you would imagine you imagine that, that there isn't. And I, I mean, you hate to see teams relegating the kind of disappearing from, from the SPFL but. Especially, I suppose teams like Breakin and teams like Albion Rovers, because and I and I know there's that thing like tradition versus kind of teams that are kind of up and coming. But like, I think it would be such a shame to see something like Albion Rovers or Breakin disappear.
1: 100. And I think I'm sure I've made this point before, but there are, when I think of, of the quintessential Scottish lower league clubs, Albion Rovers, Breakin, or Broth, Queens Park, they're the sort of teams I imagine. Like these, Berwick Rangers was the other one. These like weird quirks. Why on earth would an amateur team be playing in a 60,000-seater stadium in front of like 500 fans a week? How on earth, like, how do you explain that to someone? Why on earth is there a team from England playing up in Scotland? Why on earth is this, this team playing in, in Cope Bridge in this horrendous stadium that, that looks like it's been dug out from the, 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 the middle of the earth with this condemned stand over one end? It's, you know the, these are the quirks that make Scottish football so good, but I, I wouldn't want to see if any team was to go like, like the teams that perhaps that don't have that as long as no Steny but the teams that perhaps don't have those, those quirks. It's just you, you've got to you, you have to open up the pyramid. you know I will always go into bat for the SPFL teams and always like when it comes to the playoffs, if it is breaking our um, Albany Rovers I will want them to win. I will want them to prevail, but if they go down. You can't, you can't really, you know what I mean. You can't be disappointed. You can't grumble. That's can't grumble. That's that, can't that's, that's, yeah. that's why it is And I've said before, there needs to be uh, that the movement between the divisions needs to be opened up. It needs to be easier for teams to move up and down, because you you, you have a bottleneck and teams can disappear and, and and not come back for for years. So, aye, if that does happen, if it is Albion Rovers, um, well let's. All right, let's let's hope they do. All right. Let's hope they they the find a cure for the coronavirus. Gregor for them can get an injection, and all's well that ends well in <laughs> Copebridge. I think we've uh, we've done quite well, Sean. That's almost like an hour and a half. That's that's all right for us. I I've been of mind it was only supposed to be three games. For, as soon see, as soon as we started going into what you it's were talking about, like aye. So as soon as we started talking about. Um, Inverness and Wraith and Rovers and all that it's just we, we can't do it I think this is probably a better format to do going forward look at one game in depth and then talk about the games like we talk about one game if that's like one one game full talk about a game put two thirds an extent like with 60% of the features from that last game that's what we Can seem to be on the rest or, or we need something like Craig Fowler the, the, the kind of ringmaster that's actually going to keep us in check he's like he says he won't come back to these he says he because he doesn't contribute I said that's not the point you need to contribute because otherwise me and Sean just fucking talk for ages. I listened to that other podcast and it was like two hours long. Somebody, Tony Anderson needs to be stopped. <laughs> That's what I was, when I saw the podcast it was like two hours long I thought, my goodness, who's going to listen to that? But then I listened to it on a drive home on, on Wednesday night and I was like, this is really good. I really enjoyed listening to Tony and Joe talking. But it's when you see a podcast that's two hours long, you think, oh, I'm going to listen to that. And no doubt there'll be people who will see this clocking in at a, a modest 90 minutes and being like, Jesus Christ. This maybe, is- uh, maybe somebody
0: could listen to it as they, as they climb a Monroe. Maybe maybe they could. Maybe they could listen to it for the first
1: third and then listen to Tony Anderson go on <laughs> for the for the second and final third. Aye. Aye something, to, something to look forward to. But anyway, Sean, I want to say thank you very much for joining me tonight. I, th- I thoroughly enjoyed seeing you again for the... The third night this week. Yes, yeah, very enjoyable. Thank you. Yeah, and I'll, 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 no doubt, I'll, I'll hear from you. So, I'll see, I'll probably text you later on tonight. <laughs> that's what, that's what we do. We're actually friends outside of this, uh, this podcasting game. I send the uh, pictures, Sean, of uh, funny people from Twitter, and and he, uh, he, he, he <laughs>, laughs back. So it's, uh, it's a, <laughs> In a separate group chat. I separate. We've got, we've got uh, dif- different group chats for different needs, and ours is uh, to 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 make fun of people. Online. But anyway, enough about us. Well, thank you very much for joining us. We will see you soon. See you later, Sean. <laughs> Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.